Welcome to the Alio Audio Archives. I'm uh, sitting down with a chat with Josh, uh, always a deep resource of knowledge and skill sharing for me. Uh, I know we spent a lot of time chatting on the technical and historical aspects of American, you know, classic American axemanship, right? Anything in particular that like sparked axes of all things or time period? Well, I, I wish I had something uh, profound to say. Uh, regarding that <laughs> not not really um i i started throwing them back in uh in around 2009 and at that mm. time I, I i still wasn't paying for internet i refused to pay for internet at that time and and had i been online i would have gotten into the hobby back then when ravens were like five bucks oh yeah <laughs> so so i kind of wish i had but um so no i just uh you know i, I burned firewood so and i always uh used axes but usually just use cheap ones and i uh, I actually was watching a, a YouTube video and, um, oh boy, his name escapes me at the moment. I watched some um, uh, Wrangler star videos. I watched like, oh Twitter yeah, our videos. Yeah. And, and that got me, uh, that kind of piqued my interest. And I actually bought a cold steel uh, trailhawk ax uh, and that, and that nice. really kicked it off. And I started uh, hunting locally and just finding them at antique shops. And uh, yeah, kind of, kind of went from there. Yeah, I, I actually remember Wrangler Star because it was him, him and uh, the other YouTuber was Buck and Billy Ray, right? Yeah. Um, yep. And those are the two that I picked up, like, because I, I learned by seeing, right? Seeing, doing, monkey see, monkey do, that's me, right? I can see your hands yep. doing this. Eventually, my hands will, right? And yep. uh, that's why I like what you're doing, too, because when I look at your stuff, it's pretty clear to see the work you're doing because you're doing it by hand, right? It's yep. all with the files and... I mean, so so why the hand tools versus like a power tool with, with that kind of stuff? Well, it's just, you know, I, I don't do any blacksmithing yet. So really mm. the only way that I can, you know, uh, you know, really work with the steel is with a file. And I mm. feel, I mean, a large part of collecting for me is, um, well, it's not really uh, um, cognitive thought, really. I just feel a connection uh, with the past, with our forebears when I'm, when I'm filing, when I'm, when I'm working, you know, at my vice, much, much as the, my great, my grandfather and great grandfather would have done. And, yeah. and, uh, and the, the men that built the country, I just feel uh, a sort of connection with them. I'm, I'm working on a tool that they used probably, you know, the, the very tool that they used perhaps, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, some and, of how old ones you got. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, yeah, it's just, uh, 
and, and plus, you know, you get to feel the the different temper, um, the different qualities of temper. Um, you know, if you're if you're using a power tool, you can tell whether it's hard or soft, but you can't tell, you know, all the different intricacies and 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 uh, variations between uh, temper and steel choice and whatnot. So, so there's that, like a that, bit of time travel in there too, right? Because you're working on the exact axe head that could be from the 1920s using a file that I mean, some of the files you've got are pretty damn old too, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you know, the same tools. Yeah, and that's a funny thing that uh, that there's a misconception about files that all older files are like better than new files. Hmm. And it's really not true. I mean, old files will last like you know a little bit longer than new files, but they cut just the same. A, a new file will cut just as good as a file made in 1920. You know. So you just you, you're using those old tools like the like a historical thing as well for you, or are you are you more looking yeah. at this because you're a crafts person as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really haven't given a ton of thought to the you know to why I do it. I just I just have always done it that way, and I, I feel it just gives me a, a a sense of connection with the tool. You know, it takes a long time. I I end up spending hours on an axe head, and I and I um you know I feel I, I have a I feel like I have a pretty good um um idea of of what edge what contours and what shapes work the best in in wood you know what what will what will uh what's a blend between cutting deep and not binding in the cut um and that is uh um it's not easily accomplished with uh with a power tool you know with a file you can really fine-tune the shape um and yeah that I, and you and i've talked about that yeah and one of the big things that i've looked at your stuff is it's really hard to do with power tools. Like I tried to make jigs to do it. it. It's just seeing your hand and then you lay out with sharpie. It's like, man, it looks perfect. And you try it with, you know, power tool and I'm just nowhere getting near the same results. I mean, it'll work, it'll chop, but then seeing how yours work and you have so much historical reference material for all that stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually got started online uh, with, uh, with blade forums. I'm not, you, I'm mm. sure you're familiar with bladeforums.com. Yeah. So yeah. that's actually, that's actually where uh, that was my first online foray. Instagram is actually only my second. These are the only two places I have a presence online is Instagram and Blade Forms. So, um, and and I learned a lot there. There was a there's a, a guy um, Bernie Weisgerber. He uh, he actually made the uh, well. He was part of the forestry department that made the video um, an axe to grind. Oh yeah, and yeah. These old log cabins. Yeah. So I've had some conversations with Bernie about uh, about filing, and of course he does all hand filing and whatnot. And then um, uh, Peter McLaren made that little uh, plum book. Uh, it was a little plum book in uh, 1924. Um, and he, in there, he has a, has a whole chapter on how to file axes and, you know, the, the correct shape and, and how to roll off the edge to give it a convex shape and whatnot. Yeah. And it, same thing with like uh, hand planes where it's so hard to, I mean, like Veritas has like that really fancy jig you can put like hand planes and chisels into to get the curve on the end. But yep. that's me. There's a by hand. They're like, yeah, that took me five minutes. Whereas, you know, if you're using a jig, you're just standing there and you're like, man, this is taking forever. And you just see some old school, like Paul Sellers, right? And he yeah, just yeah. does it two seconds by hand. You're like, man, that's just yeah. some other kind of, it's, it's a timeless skill set, right? You don't have power. Yep. Who cares? Well, and, and it's, it's muscle memory too. After you've done it enough, like, you know, I don't know, you may see on, on some of my story posts where I'll actually uh, trace out the ax head and I'll lay out and I'll actually draw a line. Yeah. Uh, but that's only when I want them to look perfect. You know, I, I can accomplish the same thing just, just by hand, you know, 
I, I can actually choose whether I want to do a 25 degree or a 22 and a half or a 20. I can get it very close just by feel. So like how many axes have you ground to get that feel though? Not like how many do you have, but like how many, how many did you say yeah, it take till about, about I've, I've filed about 300 now. It's yeah. so, yeah, I, I've, I've got about, I've got about, I, I kind of figured it out roughly. I've got about 450 hours at least standing at my vice. Yeah, it's a so, bit of muscle memory. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is that like something that like just working hard at that? Is that what helps you get focused? Or are you focusing in on that hard work kind of thing? No, it's actually a, it's a kind of a, an escape for me, really. I, I just, you know, because I, I own my own business and I have, you know, like everyone, I have a lot of stresses and stuff. So <laughs> yeah. that's actually what I do to unwind. You know, it's kind of hard on my back and it hurts my shoulders and wrists a little bit, but it's uh, it's you know, just nice to go out there. It's totally quiet and uh, just out there alone in my garage. And I often just don't think about anything. It's, it's really like an escape for me. It's like playing a video game for some people, you know? Yeah. It's really meditative too. Um, I, I, I've tried that with filing. I still haven't gotten there yet. I'm sure it's like, I'm trying to find the right files. When I find the right one, I'll be super excited. But for me, it was a uh, hand planing yep. because the problem with most of my woodwork is it doesn't fit in any power tools that I have or can afford. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same thing. I need a hand plane, like a cup piece of wood and doing with a hand plane. Well, it's not going to take 15 yeah. minutes, right? You're just there for hours at times. That's what you have yeah, to do. Yeah. But same thing. I'll say you just, if you have music on or something, it's just, it's like a really nice, like meditative state. When in the end you've accomplished something. Well, and not only that, but you've, you've done something that, that the, you know, cause we all, we all hold um, the men of the past in high regard, their, their work ethic, you know, their just, just everything about them. And, 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 and we've shared something with them when we do that. And, and I, and I, you know, really have a nice feeling about that. I, I like that aspect of it a lot. So it really does have that like aspect of sort of time travel for you then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Well, and also that's, that's another reason why I love dated axes so much. You know, if you have an axe, that's like a Sager chemical, say that's dated, yeah. you know, uh, say, say, say 19, um, you know, how about 1945? What well, happened in that year? You know, what were those yeah. guys who were making those axes? What were they talking about at lunch break? You know, well, we know, <laughs> we know what they were talking about in 1945. It's cool, man. It's just, yeah. Shit right there. I think. So it was just axes or you got other, you know, you big into cars too, with all that kind of timelessness or is the ax, just the ax and the hand tools, what draws you in? Yeah, I would say them primarily. I mean, I, I'm, um, I guess, well, obviously kind of an obsessive person, you know, a little bit. And I, I've switched hobbies over the years. Um, used to, you know, firearms, uh, used to get into RC cars with my kid, bow and arrow for a while. And I, I generally switch, uh, hobbies, but I, I'm, I think I found my, uh, my forever hobby, <laughs> my forever passion with, with these. Yeah. But it's yeah. all tools. It's logging tools, you know, basically any edge tool, logging tools and, you know, anything cool, you know, how it is wrenches or anything that's neat and old. And then, and then you got the, the pamphlets too, and the stick, like the, the, a lot of things that I don't see a lot of people collect and preserve, right. Is, is the uh, paper documents. Cause there's no digital unless somebody scans them. Right. You're just right. right the paper documents are even harder to find. You have a whole bunch of those. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I have as many as you think I do, but I I've, yeah. I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting some stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, enough for a pamphlet, right? What's that? 
Well, I remember you uh, bringing it up one time, I mean, with all the stuff you know and all the cool uh, database of all these old images you got, it'd be a hell of a way to make your own uh, pamphlet of all the stuff you learned. Yeah, you know, I, I would like to. I would actually like to. I just, um, well, this, this, the, our conversation right here is really my first uh, foray into anything like this, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool. Thank you for having me on, by the way. Um, yeah, I mean, someday, someday I would like to do that, you know, um, it, it, would, it would be, it would be fun. I know it's not just, uh, I know you talked to some other uh, craftsmen that work with axes and they're all uh, really, you know, get a lot of knowledge from you as well, especially when it comes to, you know, going back to the past and, you know, those old axes, but, you know, especially when you see the, the number on there um, and you can really date, like, this is when it's from. I mean, it's cool when it's old, you find a garage sale, it's five bucks, but when you find something and you know that this is probably from the 20s or the 30s, somewhere in there especially you get the year down like hand planes it's um it's the patent stamps i think it's what is it i think if you have one patent stamp you're probably from the 30s kind of thing and it's just cool ah. to, you can look it up at some point with like generations i did it once and i'm like cool i found you know these are from the 30s and this is what you know it's worn and you can see the patina but somebody used it and just yeah. going back using that and it's like no but this wasn't just a shelf tool this and we use this to work wood, you know, just there's something different about the, you know, edges like that. Cause that's how everything, you know, there was no sandpaper in the same sense too. Right. Yep. Well, it, 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 uh, it infers, um, extra meaning to the tool knowing that someone else, like I, I have a little, um, I have a little fourfold, um, it's, it's a fourfold foot long, um, uh, stick rule. And you can see that that the guy that had this put it, he put this thing in his pocket like every day for probably, I mean, it must be 30 years because the brass in the wood is completely worn down on the outside to almost nice. nothing. And it's an old Stanley and it's still perfectly sound and, and all the measurements are still on the inside. But um, yeah, that, that stuff to just, I don't know. It's just neat, man. I, I love it. The stories that things could tell, right? Is that yeah, know, like a book? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool so, that you like. Oh, go ahead, Mr. Yeah. Oh no, go for it. Well, I was just going to ask you about uh, about planes. Do you do you have a lot of planes, or you're just uh, just starting to collect them? Or so, so I, it's not even a matter of collecting. It's just it's the cheapest way to work down big pieces of lumber. Um, yeah, okay. okay you know, yeah. buying a planer, it doesn't even you know uh, most planers that you can buy, like the Dewalt ones, they're uh, thicknessing planers. They won't take a cup out of it. There's tricks to do it, but my problem yeah. is every project I think up, I think it up in my head first. Yeah. And then I go and, okay, now I'm going to make it. Well, but the tool doesn't exist or it's expensive or it's like, <laughs> man, now I got this, I'm obsessed with this idea in my head. So I, uh, I had like one cheap block plane I bought from like a, you know, just a regular hardware store, a small one around here, uh, Berlin's house of tools. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm like, what's, what's the bare minimum plane that I need to do things with? And the guy's like, this is the one little block plane, Stanley, um, work, works just fine right i sharpened it up it's um and then i picked up two other hand planes uh stanley number uh, uh it's number five and a four which is what everyone says is what you should have is the balance and i just wanted them from like the 30s they have like the little sweetheart logo so again you know like you're in that time that place and people are using them and before i got them you could really tell that again some guys they're using it you know there's marks there's little paint flecks you yeah. know the bottom is worn out they're doing things and you're bringing it back and you know that's the same kind of thing for me right now at least you know uh yeah 
Yeah. That's only, I only yeah. got, I only have three just cause I'm using them. Yeah. So yeah, well, that's great. I mean, that's, that's awesome. You know, I, I have, that's the one thing that bugs me about having so many axes is that I, I don't, most of them just sit idle and that's kind of sacrilege in a way, but you know, at the same time, a lot of them, it's a miracle that they survive this long without being abused or, or thrown out um, or otherwise ruined. So in a way they've earned their retirement too. So. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, you had, uh, you've had some that come out of like the bottom of lakes even, right? Yeah, man. Those are some of my favorite axes right there. Yeah. Yeah. I can't prove that provenance, but um, it's yeah. clear that they were underwater for many, many years. Yeah. It's clear. Uh, I've seen that kind of stuff and they bring it up and it's, it's the same kind of buildup from, uh, I think you said Michigan, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's actually, what they were thinking. Yep. Yeah. It's port. Um, it was uh, port Washington off of um, uh, Lake Michigan. Yeah. And so like, yep. how, so what drew you to like those kinds of stories is it just, there's the story to it that really just drives you into that or, the fact that you can take something from that period of history and just keep it alive when, you know, it otherwise would just be lost to time. Yeah. It's, it's largely about preservation for me. You know, I mean, these, mm. these tools are only mine for a short time, you know, and for my part, I just, uh, I just want to enjoy them and, and, uh, and preserve them really. I mean, I, I've thought about uh, a museum. I mean, of course that's a long ways off, um, you know, for me, but um yeah, I do everything with an eye towards preservation. And I know um, that may sound um, you know, counterintuitive when you see me take a file to an X, but the edge I put on them, I'm very careful and I, I, don't, I don't make it too thin. I, I, I try to duplicate, I try to put an edge that I think um, that you know, a, um, a 1900s axeman would take one of my axes and just go chop with it and, and be content and feel like the edge was appropriate. That, that's my goal is to put an edge that's it's efficient to balance between efficiency and toughness I mean, because they needed to go and work with them all day. So it's great to have an access so thin that it bites super deep, but that's not practical because it's going to get dinged yeah. and rolled or, or chipped, um, you know, and so and those guys couldn't, couldn't afford that. So it really is a blend between efficiency and toughness. And, um, but so, so when I file an ax, you know, I, I do it, I feel responsibly so that it's, it's a tough edge and it could be, you know, you could go work with it and it would be fine. So that's kind of preservation in my mind, you know? And, and we've talked before where I've, I've had, you know, and I've looked at like racing axes and like they're at 17 degrees and even at 15. So I'm like yeah. 19, can't be that bad. And it, it's, it's crazy. Cause I just did a 19 and it's just, you know, nice pointy, flat on both sides versus that apple seed that you know you're looking at where it has that nice curve to it and i put it in a knot once and it's like a nice axe head vintage it's all good and the edge just folds over it's like you look at microscopically there's so little difference but the old guys there wasn't not you know they just felt it by hand too like if you knew the tree was gonna be tougher um there's a guy i talked to uh steve he does a lot of hand hewing and I've tried to be like, how do you sharpen? He's like, I don't know. I just sharpen before I hew, right? I do it all the yeah, time. This yeah, is what I do. Yeah. I take the puck. I, I strop it. And it's just what I do, you know, and this is what chops well. And it's just crazy. You know, he's just every day. That's what he does is just make these beautiful beams, yeah. um, you know, timber frame sized. And uh, it, it's just all by hand, you know, very similar to how like, you, you know, he's living yeah. it too in a much different way. He's only got a few axes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But his is set up very similar, yeah. 
you know, unless you guys talk without me knowing, <laughs> you know, that, that he just came. No, no, his own. He, he's a total rock. He, yeah. He's a total rock star. I, I really should, I really should uh, um, message him and, and get to know him a little bit better. Cause uh, you both are uh, up by a uh, lobster country, right? Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah. I'm not sure he's in what I think he's in Cumberland. He's in Southern uh, Maine, I think, isn't he? I'm not sure. I can't recall. I think you're actually right. Your memory is better than mine. He shipped stuff to me before, but uh, yeah, I think I think you've I think told me you've part done. Of the state, but so I think you've told me that you've done some lobstering yourself, though. Yeah, I have, man. Yeah, yeah. When I was uh, when I was seventeen, uh, I had a, a good friend of mine, actually my best friend. He he lived out on an island called uh, Vinyl Haven, and uh, that's that's twelve miles uh, off the coast of Maine, off to, off of Rockland, Maine. And, um, that's just a real small, um, fishing village, you know, fishing community. And, um, yeah, I, I, I moved out there to spend some time with him for a weekend actually. And just, I didn't leave for five years. So <laughs> wow. yeah, I got on all this. It was, uh, such an awesome, uh, awesome experience. I, I, it's, it's hard to describe how fun it was to, to really live on the water, literally, you know, being, I was isolated on stuck on an Island. It's, it's, uh, really plays with your psyche on like a really stormy, windy night you know because you're 12 miles on a rock in the middle of the ocean you know what i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, it's, it's yeah. just you and nature yeah. i mean there's yeah. no one else right yeah and then and then uh so you yeah you just get up super early i just have to set my alarm for 2 40 in the morning i get up at three and my captain would pick me up and we'd go to the store and i'd be rowing out to the boat at, at uh 20 well it's 3 20 and then we'd be on the boat and uh leaving the harbor at 3 30 every morning so Oof. but and how long we, the days were well we'd be in um about 12 30 um and we'd have we'd have hauled well that was back when you could still haul a thousand traps um, um when you could still um own and fish a thousand traps they they limited the amount of traps you could have it used to be unlimited um and then they then they cut it down to uh they kept cutting it down incrementally um and back then you could still fish a thousand traps so we'd haul 350 a day and uh I, I'd be in around lunchtime. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. But it's, and then you guys would just be on that rock out there. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It was it, man. Well, I mean, you got to think about it. if I'm getting up at 2 40, I had to go to bed at like seven. Yeah. You know, seven, seven thirty at night. So my life was, it was, it was really weird, you know. And, and when you're, when you're on a lobster boat, that is your life. You know, it's there, you make good money. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm really glad I, I had the experience, but it uh it is it's all it's consuming it, it um yeah it, it runs your runs your whole life but the 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 sunsets man um the stuff you see the whales um the the the, the rays um the seafood that comes up in the traps all the yeah the urchins and the friggin uh it's just it's just amazing huge lobsters and big crabs and you know tons of money tons of all kinds of fun stuff party party life you know <laughs> Yeah, but it sounds like a lot of hard work, though, too. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's it's grueling. It's absolutely grueling work. Yeah, yeah, you're you're at a dead run the whole day. Yeah, because each each trap is four feet long, and and, and each one with wet runners, um, with wet wooden runners, they weigh about seventy pounds each. Well, actually, I'm sorry, not that much. It depends on how many bricks it has in it. That was a floor bricker. Um, normally, they were around fifty pounds, I guess. It's been a long time, <laughs> but they're they're pretty heavy anyway, and you're hauling three hundred and fifty of these every day. So you have to pull it up on the boat, you know, you're constantly manhandling it, stacking it. And yeah, it's, uh, and then, then throwing them back in and plus all the other work. So it's, it's, yeah, it's hard work. 
And then you I mean you're not just chilling out right now. What are you normally doing? I know you're building stuff besides axes. Yeah, well, I'm a carpenter, so um, I don't uh, pretty pretty much axes is my hobby. You know, that's pretty much all I do for now. But I'm I'm a carpenter, so I build things all day long. Um, so yeah, I'm, I uh, just uh, I just finished a big deck. Um, I don't know, you might have seen something like that in my story, but uh, I finished yeah, a big deck. really clean lines. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it came out pretty nice. Yeah, and and how about you, man? How about you? What what are you doing right now? So I do a lot of stuff for uh, OEM automotive, like for production for uh, like big vehicle uh, electronics manufacturing. But I do all okay. like the mechanical side. Um, so, you know, fixtures, jigs, that's sort of my mind's at for like production because like somebody has to sit there and assemble this or test this hundreds or thousands of times and you don't want it to be a pain in the ass. You know, you don't want it to hurt your wrist. You don't want it to, to fail. You want it to be easy to use kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, that's, that's why I'm always looking at when I talk to you and looking at your, your work, you know, it's like, well, can I make that something that's a little more repeatable on a day in day out, uh, versus, you know, putting all the time to it, it just doesn't work. And, and some things just don't transfer to those kinds yeah. of, uh, you know, it's not even automation, but, uh, so well, you're, you know, just trying to, lot- you're trying to make things more efficient. Yeah. You know, just yeah. so you, you can take you know, focus and be one with the thing, right? Whatever your task is, because uh, my I I, uh, I like to focus on one thing really hard. You know, I, I don't like to multitask. I like to hit one thing really yeah. hard. And you know, when I'm grinding, if I don't know what I'm doing, it's it's just you're trying to figure everything out and feel it out. But if I know what I'm doing, then especially when I got into uh, woodwork, making the handles, and now that I have that more of that body mechanic we were talking about, right? Yeah. Now I can be like, I got 15 minutes between projects. I'm trying to, you know, get my mind right. I have to like 3D model on a computer, you know, modern equipment. It's like, you know, you're on a computer. So I'd spend a lot of time at the computer. Well, I'll go jump in the past because that's where the brain works, at least for me, better, simpler times, right? Yeah. And you're just carving away at like a chunk of stick. It's a fucking stick, right? You know what I mean? It's, if you look at it until you make it a handle, it's just a piece of, piece of twig sitting in a vice. And yeah. then you get your mind right. Your body's working. You know, you might get that ache just like you talk about. Like sometimes the aches suck, but sometimes they remind you that you're alive a bit. And, yeah. you know, they, they can go back to, you know, computer work for me. And, uh, you know, I'll do some uh, milling, machining, that kind of stuff. So I, I yeah. learned you know, just like you, I, I have a bunch of random skills I picked up over the years. Just, yeah. you know, so I learned from an old, old, old geezer machiner. You know, like he just, I have his old mill. I, I was able to buy it off him. It was nice enough to sell it, but he taught me everything I know how to mill. You know, I took like some courses, technical courses, but just learning from the past and, yeah. you know, CNC machines are great, but being able to turn three knobs in a mill, that's all feel. And it's just so much more relaxing. If I'm, my biggest problem is figuring out a problem, yeah. right? Yeah. You're just sawing through wood or machining something by hand. It just really is just, it's a, it's like that flow state, meditative, you know, you know, you're obsessed, you know, however you want to go at it. Um, well, and that's true. And, and, and when you're finished machining that piece, even though it's just a piece of the whole, you know, you've, you've got something in it, you know, you appreciate each constituent piece and it makes the whole project better. Yeah. More meaning, more meaningful. So is that like what 
gives hard work meaning or, or you, you just find meaning in hard work in and of itself kind of thing. You know, I saw that question. Um, Cause I mean, you build a lot of stuff, right? I mean, yeah. so, you're, so you're always building, I mean, you're working like lobster. That's not easy. That that's, that's hard work right there. Like, yeah, what's, I, what, what does that mean to you? I've never really honestly had the luxury to think about it. I've been too busy working hard. <laughs> if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest with you, you know, it's no, just awesome. Something. It's something that's always been um, a part of my life. You know, um, I've either been working hard at accomplishing things or doing my best to avoid accomplishing things. And that's hard work in <laughs> itself. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, you know, hard, hard work is one of those things that I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be, uh, be offensive, but I think for a man, hard work is imperative. I mean, I think it's part of our, DNA is to accomplish things and, and, you know, to, to have a good sense of self-worth, I think accomplishing building things and, and, you know, working up a sweat is just, I don't know, just part of, part of who we are, I think. I like that. I, I mean, it really focuses me down too. you know, uh, just really figuring that out. So, so where, so where does that like come from for you? Just that, that drive is, is it tying to the past or your, or, you know, that, that drive for the hard work? No, I think that's just, uh, it's just what you do. I mean, you know, no, I mean, nobody else is going to do it for you. So you just get out get out there and do it, whatever it is, you know, if, if something needs to be done then you just do it, you know, whether it's by hand, I mean, so when you were doing the carpentry, uh, I, I'm assuming you're using some sorts of power tools out there. Oh, I have to. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, yeah I can't muck about there. I, efficiency is, is, of course, king there, you know. Um, but I, you know, I, I um, they sell all kinds of laser tools and laser measuring devices. And I don't I don't use those things. I, you know, like uh, in that, that deck I just built when I put my ledger on the house. So that's that's the, the first board that goes on the house when you're building a deck It's called a ledger. Mm. Um, so what I do to, to, to figure out my post height, I'll actually put a nail um, either in the bottom or the top of the ledger and I'll run a string line and I'll use one of those little, little string levels that you clip onto the string. Mm. And I'll use one of those to determine, uh, you know, the height of, uh, out at the, out at the edge as opposed to using a laser level. So, I mean, I, I, I do use, um, um, you know, more rudimentary tools, I think than a lot of carpenters, but you know, um, yeah, I have to use power tools at work for sure. And are you like, so when you do your carpentry, you're normally working alone or you work with some, some people or you, you're working part as like a big company or. Yeah, no, I own my own business. So, and I work by myself probably 95% of the time. So since I live in such a rural area, you know, I need to do, um, all kinds of things. I can't just be specialized. I couldn't just do flooring for instance, without driving to drive all over the state. So. Um, I'm kind of diversified, you know, I build, um, uh, new construction, I do remodeling, I build decks, um, I do asphalt roofing, um, you know, anywhere from, you know, say five to 10 a year. And I have a crew that helps me when I do that, when I do roofing, mm. um, that's pretty brutal work. So, but yeah, most of the time I'm, I'm working by myself. Um, and, um, um, yeah, I just kind of get lost in the, in the project, you know, whenever I can, a lot of times you have to be thinking you know, 10 steps ahead, um, with ordering and uh, planning and everything else. So, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, pretty, pretty consuming, uh, you know, being chief cook and bottle washer, you have to, <laughs> um, 
you know, you have to, you can't just be doing a task. You have to be thinking about the next one and so on and so forth. So. Well, that, that reminds me of this like a uh, Picasso quote I once heard where it's like without a uh, great solitude, no serious work is possible. And every time I look at like when I'm trying to get hard work done, same thing for me, right? It's just, you, I can't talk to somebody else about it. You're just, I need to get the hard work done. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you just see the problem you're, you're you're tackling. It's like this has to get done, and it's really interesting that you you brought up that you have so many different things you're you know picked up as as skills. How are you like picking that up? Is that the same thing like for axes where you're reading old literature, or do you go to like a trade school for that? Yeah, no, I never went to a trade school. Um, I uh, when I finished uh, lobstering, um, I back uh, you know, see it was in two thousand two. Um, I, uh, I had got into a bit of trouble, um, just in life in general on the Island, um, you know, the party lifestyle and, um, I needed to, uh, to start over. So I moved back with my folks, um, and I ended up getting a job on a construction crew. And, um, um, so they were building these duplex units. Um, so they were panelized. Um, so the, the, the building would actually, the walls would come delivered on a, on a flatbed. And then they'd have a boom truck come in and we'd stand them up and straighten them uh, and then set the rafters and then do the sheathing. Okay, so yeah. I got to do this. I got to build like 10 homes in my first year, even though I didn't learn how to stick build. They didn't learn how to build the walls. I just learned how to stand them and straighten them and put on the roof, okay. tr- you know, the roof trusses and sheath them and then all the siding and the, basically, you know, the entire process. So my first year was like a crash course. And I learned basically how to build a home in one year. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. And then the next year, um, then the following year I helped with a big remodel. It was like six months. It was a huge job. And by the end of that, I was like, why am I staying here making money for this guy? And I just went out on my own. I only had like, you know, I, well, and I had done some asphalt roofing. Um, and then once you understand how to build and, and do a roof, there's nothing you can't do. It's, it's all basic. It's all basic. And you know, you just read the instructions or watch a quick YouTube video and you're good. You just go do it. You know, it's crazy. I like, I don't know if you could have said that years ago, even like it just it, where, where it's coming. You can just, there's just a little bit of that basic knowledge of how things go together. And there's a, um, Glenn actually, and I talked about this, you know, with wood and, and things like that. It's just the order of operations. Yes. Right. Like, critical. It, but that's with everything. And as soon as you see yeah. that, it's like a secret key that yeah. you look and well this is the order you have to go in and as long as you figure out that order generally the chance of failure is a lot less lower than you know especially if you read the, the directions to doing something yeah yeah definitely yeah the we in the trades we we call it the the phases of construction yeah and you definitely can't put anything you know before it's time so so like with with an axe handle what, what's your, like your order of operations like when, when you make your own from scratch yeah well, I'm a lot less finicky about it than a lot of people. You know, I know um, I only draw um, basically two lines, you know, counting the out, the outline as one line. And then once I do that, I just draw a line down the center on uh, both edges. Mm. Um, and then I start hacking away with the uh, with the draw knife. Um, and yeah, so I just I basically just just bang them out, to be honest. I, I don't spend a ton of time, you know, getting them perfect like a lot of people do. Um, but they still come out, all, they still come out. All right. They're, they're still functional. You know, the, the, at least the, um, the, they're, they're pretty symmetrical, you know, and, and they're, they're pretty to look at, you know, from like three feet away. 
<laughs> well, the other no. thing that like I know that a lot of people look to you, especially with with when it comes to axes, is your fit up. Right. Yeah. Um, I know I learned a lot from you and a lot of the other like big axe people really point out, you know, how you fit up and how you actually showcase that when you pull it out and say, this is how you do that fit up the order of operations of when you start going coarser and coarser and you have to back it up because you're trying to fit, you know, two tapers together. Exactly. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. where it's, but you're doing that all by eye. And I still haven't found a good way um, to do it with power tools. You know, it's that same thing. You're feeling it out. Um, well, see, if I may interject, I actually, yeah, use, that's what I, I use an orbital sander when I hang. That's mm -hmm. what I use is an orbital sander. Okay. Yeah. So I use an orbital and um, when I'm, when I'm hanging, I'm seating that head and you see that little, you know, the little ridge of contact, that little shelf. The only trick to it is to only sand below that point. And I just keep it as, as gentle of a taper as I can. That's very, I, know, I think of it as like a ramp, you know, just a very smooth yeah. ramp. And I only remove that just, just below that line, of, that line of contact and under. And that's the only, it's the only trick to it is the, no, there's nothing to it. Well, it's crazy because it always comes back down like to, to lines, everything, everything I look at, if you make things like physically, you know, mechanically things, it's always the lines because, you know, same thing in your carpentry, right? It's just, yeah, you have to figure out where you're drawing lines. And otherwise, you, you might not even make anything when you're done with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, my hangs have gotten so much better looking at, you know, how you're, you know, you're doing it. And it's that same thing, drawing out the line of, you know, where things are going, where things, you know, the fit ups are going. Uh, it you know, just made a huge difference. And like yeah. the fact that you're, you're able to, to share that with other people as uh, you know, like from one craftsperson to another, like, this is how it works. And historically, right. You have so many axes. I'd say you probably know which ones work and don't. Right. And I, yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and then, and, 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 and in different woods, you know, and, and whatnot. Right. So, yeah, no, I, I think, I think there's, um, I think in our conversation here, I'm noticing that uh, a lot of, most of the time, I feel like you're looking for a meaning in a lot of stuff where yeah. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm escaping meaning in my hobby. Like I'm, I'm, I get a lot from it. It like feeds my mm. soul, but I'm, I'm escaping the thought process in doing it. So like when I'm going to hang an ax, it's an activity that I love and enjoy just for, for what it is. And so I just kind of get lost in doing it, you know, and, um, and I, I don't, you know, I don't really think about it too much other than that. I just do it because I love it, you know? I mean, yeah. I, and, and I think it's like that, that flow state is, is where you're getting at is just where it then becomes meditation and, you know, you sort of lose the sense. I mean, I, when I get to that point with certain things, it feels like you lose like a all sense of time, even at that point. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's a true Making, escape. It, it's a true escape. Yeah. You're busy. You're, you know, you're, you're engaged. You're using all, all your senses and you're just, especially if you love it, if you love it, then it's, it's, that's all you need right there. <laughs> and do you love like, you know, the whole carpentry stuff too? Is that something that like fuels your fire too? Well, yes and no. Um, you know, with that, it's, uh, it would be a passion if I were say doing it for myself or for a relative and not making money doing it. Um, and mm -hmm. it depends on the task too, because, you know, you want, 
things to come out perfectly. And, and that just doesn't happen on its own. You know, that takes a lot of effort, as you know, it takes a lot of planning and, and a lot of effort and everything has to, it, it just takes concentration. And that, to me, that's different than hanging an ax because it's only, it's only, I would say one in every 20 axes I get that is like a challenge to hang the eye is crooked or something, or it doesn't want to hang true. Um, and those are the ones you have to think about, but the, the other ones are just kind of easy. And it's, it's, it's actually a pretty different, um, from my work, you know, that's interesting. I mean, so like with, with the axes, you are really like putting life back into them. Right. Uh, especially when you're talking about the history and that timelessness or, you know, that almost that time travel state you're getting into. I mean, that's, that just seems like a whole new you know, state to get into with, 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 with how you're looking at that. Yeah. You know, you just sure, really man. able to, to tune out, to zone out just for lack of better, like be one. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I generally don't, um, you know, get into thinking about it deeply like that, but it's very simple. And that is the truth actually. Yeah. That is, that is exactly right. I just kind of get, get lost in it and, and enjoy it. Yeah. And that, that is kind of just being one with it. And like learning, like when you got to that point, was it just like a whole bunch of failure and you're just working your way up in frustration or is that always just sort of been that like <laughs> one chill, my, chill state? <laughs> my, my first axe, man, I used to think when I first started, I used to think that an axe was supposed to sit on a shelf. I thought oh, that, yeah. I thought that, uh, I thought that the axe actually sat tight against like this big thick shelf. And that, then that the tongue had to be proud and spread out over. And that's what held it on. I had no idea of, of how to hang an ax. And my first, I actually, I have pictures somewhere. My first hang, it's so funny. <laughs> oh man, it's so funny. Um, no, I just, I just try to be, I want to be good at whatever I'm doing. It's just, uh, I don't know. I think everybody's that way. I don't know. Um, I just want to succeed at, at whatever I, you know, turn my hand to. And so, yeah, I just, um, I, I, I mean, I did hang axes frantically, you know, I, I bought a lot in the first couple of years I was buying axes every day. And, and I, I mean, I, I was hanging an ax a day probably for a couple of years, you know, but wow. uh, that's not true. It wasn't that many. That's, that, that's actually too many. I, I was, I was filing <laughs> a lot and hanging a lot, but I guess it wasn't that much. It seemed like it though. <laughs> and so just, so, so just like a doctorate program from like the school of hard knocks is how you learned that, that stuff. Yeah. Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, then, and like, I, and yeah. like I said, reading, uh, reading, um, you know, what Peter McLaren had to say and what listening to what Bernie had to say. And um, yeah, just, just, just reading, yeah. Reading online information about it. Um, and, uh, and in the, in the pamphlets I've picked up and, and whatnot. It sounds like you learned like a, a lot on the, the fly like that. I mean, like from lobstering, right? And then a year to build a house, right? Like some people, it would take them way longer to figure that out. And it, it's just really interesting how you just really can pick up all these different skill sets. And I mean, well, I the quality know. of your work is pretty awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know if I'm really that special. I think because, because I was fortunate in the crew that I hired onto, because we were doing those duplex units, I got to see it again and again and again and again and again, the, the whole process from a pad to a finished home. And because the walls were panelized, it the, they got built with a speed that allowed me just to very clearly see how to do everything. And it really is, it's so basic, man. It's so basic and simple. You wouldn't even, anybody could build a house. It's not, it's so easy. There's just a few things you have to remember. Like, 
like making a set of stairs, cutting out stair stringers is the easiest thing in the world to do. There's just a couple rules you have to, you have to know, you know, if you can remember three things, you can build stairs. So what are those three things? Well, um, you first have to do the math, of course, um, figure mm. out your overall height and then divide the amount of, um, divide that measurement by the amount of steps. And that gives you your rise per step. Um, and then when you lay that out on your stringer, um, all you have to remember is to cut the thickness of the tread off of the bottom of the stringer. That's basically it. That's, that's how you do it. Okay. Yeah. So you it, just, you have to figure your, your rise is the height and your run is the length you have. True. And once you, once you divide those and figure out how many steps you have, have to have in rise, then you can figure out how much, how much each step, how deep each step can be. Um, and, and then once you determine that, like you said, all you do is just cut the thickness of the treads, the finished tread off of the bottom of the stringer and voila, you guys, there's. And it's crazy. Like every, every time I, and that's, that's why you know, I do like learning from you and talking with you, you know, that just that wealth of knowledge that you have from doing things. It's like, well, it's crazy that I, I really believe that you really know your shit. If you can say it simply, right. Some of the smartest people I've ever met know how to talk to anybody. Right. Yeah. It's just that. And, and that really, to me is like, you don't have to be smart and use big words to like yeah. Yeah. accomplish teaching something, especially when if you can make it basic, then it, that's when my opinion, when you know your stuff and yeah, that's right. It's, it's really, especially when it comes down to just like what lines to draw, where to measure from, uh, and just getting after it. I mean, it just sounds like you've really gone through like a lot of like repeated hard lessons of that, you know, failure and just grit and determination to get it done to really figure out how to, how to get things together in the end. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's what it's all about, man. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, so uh, anybody inspiring you right now that you've been looking at? Um, A work or craft or just in life? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I appreciate different people. I appreciate the skills that they bring to the table. Um, you know, I even knew you were going to ask me this. And I, I should have put more thought into it um, because there are people that, that inspire me. Um, Glenn is one of them. Um, Zach is another. There's different guys that, that really um, just, uh, they, they put a lot of themselves into doing what they do and it, and it shows in their work. It's beautiful. And, um, and I admire that and I find it inspiring, but well, actually there's a difference between admiring something and finding something inspiring. Right. Because you admire something, you like it, you like to look at it, but inspiring is, man, I got to go do this, right? It's interesting you say that because when I look at things, I have the same thought where it's, you know, that is inspirational and aspirational, right? It's something that I want to get to that level of, but not only that, it makes me also want to get off my fucking ass and go do it, right? When (laughs) I look like, when I look at, when I look at your fit ups, it's the same thing. It's like, man. I know how to do it. That's what it should look like. There's the aspiration. Well, I'm going to go do it because I mean, you're, I you have know. this, I have this ax. I want to hang. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's a great yeah, way what, to look at it. Yeah. So I find a lot of guys, um, admirable, you know, um, but as far as, uh, inspiring, um, boy, I hate to sound like a, uh, um, such a, I don't know, such a downer, but I, I don't get inspired a lot, man. You know, like I, 
I'm too busy, you know, I'm too busy. Like if somebody were to inspire me, um, it would have to be something, it would be, you have to be inspiring me to something that I'm not already doing. You know, like I try to do what I love all the time. Yeah. So whether I'm, I'm working or I'm doing stuff at home, I'm just doing things I enjoy. So I guess in order to be inspired, you'd have to not be doing something. <laughs> I don't know. You know what that's, I mean? <laughs> no, that's, that's, I, I love that. I really do. I mean, that's yeah. just, you're fueling your own fire. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the way to do it, man. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> anything else you want to toss in? I, I think that's a good spot to wrap up. Any yeah. way we can support you or where we want us to look for you. No, just, just, uh, just on Instagram man. just, uh, just find me at, at Axe Yankee. You'll, you'll see me there. My, my grinds and my hangs and whatnot. All right, Josh. Well, uh, thanks for joining me here on the uh, Alio Audio Archives. I uh, appreciate the time you took uh, to, to sit down and chat. It really means a lot with me, uh, for, uh, to me. Yeah. Um, and I also want to thank everyone that uh, is listening in. Uh, and if you're interested in more conversations from within the Alio Audio Archives, check out the Patreon. And for all the conversations and content links, check into the uh, website, www.thealioarchive.com. So, and then we can just cut it there. <laughs> <laughs>